Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. I'm Lily, a dedicated park ranger entrusted with the task of safeguarding this pristine land in Appalachians. One day, navigating the rugged terrain with ease, my senses sharpened as I noticed a trail marker I'd never seen before. Its presence intrigued me, tinged with a hint of concern for the park's integrity. Against my better judgment, curiosity got the better of me, and I decided to follow the path, hoping to uncover its origin and purpose. To my astonishment, the trail took me on a journey far beyond anything I'd anticipated. The once familiar landscape transformed into an eerie and disorienting alternate reality. Trees twisted and contorted, whispering secrets that I could not comprehend. Shadows danced with the life of their own, casting eerie shapes that sent 
shivers down my spine. It dawned on me with a mix of awe and fear. I had become trapped in a dimension parallel to my own. Panic threatened to consume me, but I knew I had to stay composed and find a way back home. Alone in this strange realm, I ventured trail, my senses on high alert. To my relief, I encountered others who had also fallen victim to this uh, enigmatic phenomenon. We formed a fragile alliance bound by the shared desire to escape this twisted reality. Together, we relied on our survival skills, drawing strength from each other as we navigated the treacherous and unpredictable realm. As we delved deeper into the mystery, we discovered that the vanishing trail was not a mere anomaly, but a malevolent gateway that fed off the life force of those trapped within. Its insidious power grew with each passing day, threatening not only our lives, but also the very fabric of reality itself. Driven by a sense of urgency, we deciphered cryptic clues and faced our deepest fears. Puzzles confronted us at every turn, testing our resolve and pushing us to the brink of sanity. Yet, we refused to succumb to united in purpose. We channeled our inner strength and unwavering determination to break free from the clutches of the malevolent entity. Time became both our enemy and our alley. Each passing moment heightened the danger, but it also brought us closer to unraveling the truth behind the vanishing trail. We learned that the power to escape lay within ourselves, within the bonds we forged as a group. Unity became our beacon of hope, guiding us through the darkest corners of this distorted dimension. In the face of overwhelming odds, I found strengths I never knew existed. It was a testament to the resilience of the human spirit, the unwavering spirit of survival that refuses to be extinguished. We fought against the unknown, battling the twisted forces that sought to consume us. So we sought to restore balance and find a way back home. Finally, after what felt like an eternity, we stood at the threshold of freedom. Uh, the vanishing trail had become a test of our will, and we emerged victorious, forever changed by the harrowing journey we had undertaken. As I stepped back into my own reality, I knew that the memory of that alternate realm would forever be etched in my mind. A reminder of the strength I found within myself and the enduring power of human resilience in the face of the unknown. We were camping in an isolated spot. There was one other family camping at quite a distance from us and apparently no one else for miles. We had been watching for Bigfoot signs all day as we had been interested for a very long time. We were right next to the creek and planning to sleep in a bed in the back of our open station wagon. In the afternoon as we were exploring the creek, we heard the distant sound of wood striking wood. We are bird watchers and very familiar with the sounds of woodpeckers. It was nothing like that. It sounded like a very large branch striking a tree trunk. An ax might have made a similar sound, but the people were in the opposite direction and there didn't seem to be anyone else for a great distance. Besides, the rhythm was all wrong for an axe on a tree. Instead of a steady chop-chop, there would be two or three strikes and then a pause as if they were listening. It went on for maybe 20 minutes, periodically. We kept trying to answer back with the same sound, but same. We couldn't swing a large enough stick to make the same sound. Whoever was making the sound appeared to answer us back. That night we camped, but as the fire got low, we became very uncomfortable for no apparent reason. Perhaps it was just our imagination, but finally we decided to go home. We decided to come back when we were able to get a motor home. So we could be inside something. 
We now have the motor home and are going to try again next weekend in the same location. If we have any success, we will let you know. This seems like a small thing, and there may be some other explanation. But we couldn't think of anything else. That fit the facts. At least it would be a lot of fun to go back, and maybe we could be lucky enough to see a Bigfoot. When I was around 13 years old, it wasn't a Sasquatch, but I'm really hoping someone out there has had this same experience. The fear was absolutely paralyzing. I still think about it almost every day. Our house was a rambler style in a rural setting with a deck out the back that had several steps out to the backyard and then woods. We didn't have any neighbors and my bedroom was actually the dean that had the sliding glass door going to the deck. Our only cat was with me and stayed asleep the whole time. We had a dog that was the only other witness to this event. Just before the morning light, something started to scream outside the glass door of the deck. I was immediately paralyzed with fear. I can only describe it as a metallic, extremely loud, wailing siren-type scream. It had more than one tone, like an extra vibration, and was not at all natural and extremely loud. It wailed with intensity and aggression, no pausing up and down in tone, and so loud it seemed like it went on forever. I was sweating and shaking with a primal to the gut fear. I expected everyone in the house, especially my dad, who was an extremely light sleeper, to come running, but no one did. Our dog went nuts. He growled and barked. He attacked the curtains and rushed the glass constantly the whole time he did not stir this thing at all. It stayed rigid and still up against the glass. I felt it was aware of me and wanted my attention. I felt it was aggressive, but I was not totally sure of its intent, just that it wanted my attention. I finally managed to lift my head slightly to look at whatever this thing was, and its shape was like an average height, but extremely thin house cat. No way was this a cat or any known creature of the woods. I've always said that I was born with cats in my arms, and that I was probably a cat in my past life. So I know cats. I'm now 61 years old. I've heard their calls and screams, and this was beyond anything like that. I'm having trouble writing this next sentence. I do not believe this was an earthly creature. I will not be dismissed. I know this thing was not normal. This thing was sitting upright, either facing in the glass or away. No features. Solid black silhouette with its ears straight exaggeratingly long and sitting unnaturally on top of its head. It looked fake. My cat is next to me and sound asleep the whole time. Could this thing have masked itself as something similar, something familiar to me? What about the odd metallic vibration? It was ear-piercingly loud, like it was coming from everywhere. It wailed up and down without stopping like a high-pitched siren and went on and on for what seemed like forever. I estimate it lasted about five minutes. It started when it was dark outside and then the light gradually got brighter. I don't remember falling asleep just that it was later and everyone was getting up for breakfast. I asked if anyone heard anything weird, but they heard nothing. Our dog looked haggard, exhausted. I knew this really happened just by the look in his eyes. He seemed as tired, edgy, and troubled as I did. After breakfast, the dog and I checked the deck for proof but found nothing. He sniffed everywhere frantically. I can't remember if he ran in the woods. I don't think he did, and I was too afraid. I felt like I'd been through a terrifying experience. It still disturbs me to this day when I think about it. What was it? My parents lived there another 40 years. Nothing like that ever happened again.
I've been wondering where to share this so weird. I don't even know where to begin. So I've been house-sitting for some friends in the rural PNW. They live up in the hills on a long, twisting road, and the house itself is at the end of a long gravel driveway. The house also sits up against a big evergreen forest. I should also mention that at one point, the driveway branches off and goes into the woods. I have no idea why. I've explored in there before, and there's nothing. The road is too overgrown for a vehicle to get through anyway, or so I thought. Recently, it dumped snow up here, and I've kind of been trapped as my gutless sedan doesn't have four-wheel drive, and the driveway is covered in over a foot of snow, and the road hasn't been plowed. Anyway, a couple nights ago, I was sitting up awake reading. I haven't been sleeping well because I got COVID and the coughing keeps me up at night. At about 11.30 p.m., I saw headlights outside the window. I could hardly believe it. First, it was late at night. Second, there's been so much snow that most cars couldn't even make it up here. And third, my friends are out of state and no one else would be coming up here. Certainly not at night. I peeked out the window and watched as the headlights, instead of turning the bend in the driveway toward the house, kept going into the woods. Oh, what? I was curious, but I'm also a coward, so I didn't do anything as ridiculous as follow the car into the forest in the middle of the night. But I couldn't let it go, so in the morning I grabbed my boots and parka and stupidly left the house to investigate. This next part, I genuinely can't explain. There was one set of tire tracks in the snow heading down the rough road into the woods. I followed them about a half mile into the forest, and they suddenly stopped. There was a large fallen tree blocking the road and no vehicle in sight. The tire tracks just ended, and no footprints in the snow either. That's it. I wish I had an explanation or a better ending than me running like hell out of the woods, but I don't. I'll be glad when my friends get back because it is creepy as F up here. I had recently divorced and decided to clear my head with the canoe camping trip. <laughs> I planned to camp out for a few days and be picked up by my brother 12 miles downriver. This normally would have been an easy, leisurely trip, but my canoe should have been retired years ago. I drove out to my launch point, locked up my truck, unloaded the canoe, and took off knowing I would hit some small rapids a couple miles downriver. When I did reach the rapids, my canoe started taking on water. Between trying to bail water and navigate the rapids, my canoe overturned and I was carried downstream. All I know is that shortly after overturning, I blacked out. I don't know how long I was unconscious, but when I came to, I felt something pulling on the shoulders of my life jacket. My vision was still blurry as I looked up into the face of a very hairy person. When I reached up to touch my head, it came back bloody and my ankle felt a stabbing pain with every jostle. The hairy person pulled me to shore and left me alone under a tree. I was scared not of this hairy person because it seemed clear that it meant me no harm. <laughs> but because I was right in the middle of grizzly and cougar country badly injured with no way to protect myself. I started calling weakly for help, shivering, and moaning in pain. It wasn't long before the hairy person appeared again, carrying a spear-like branch and several others. I didn't have the strength to sit up and my body felt like it was slipping into a warm slumber. I heard some loud splashes all around me and the fragrant smell reminiscent of honey nut cheerios came up around me. I also heard a sound near my head like that of a splat ball hitting the floor 
and the strong odor that wafted toward me made it clear what they were doing. They were marking their territory. The warm fog of sleep finally overtook me and I slept when I woke up to hunting a cheery smell was replaced with a strong ammonia odor. The fragrant territory marker by my head wasn't the only one. There were similar markers surrounding me as well near was a small fire in a pile of wood, a pile of berries, and a crude clay bowl filled with water. Several hours must have passed because night had fallen and the forest behind me was dark. I was cared for but alone. I felt battered and exhausted, but I knew that I needed to stay alert that night. I could hear movement of forest behind me. A cougar appeared. It came closer, but it didn't try to get much closer than about 10 yards. A bear appeared later, and it sniffed the air and turned away as well. The behavior of the wildlife made it clear that the territory markers were for my protection, and I made sure to stay within that area that night. I took short sleeping breaks throughout the night, trying to rest as much as I could. When I awoke around dawn the next day, I saw my sleeping bag and backpack next to me. The sleeping bag was dry in the stuff sack, but my backpack was... I had some non-perishable foods and a first aid kit in there that's still good to use. <laughs> I got busy cleaning my wounds and eating a granola bar. I felt I had some of my strength back. I needed to ration my food before I tried to hike back out with my swollen purple ankle. As the sun rose higher in the sky, one of the hairy humans appeared and looked at the gear surrounding me. This time I was alert and I took a close look at my caretaker. This one looked to be a male and while it fit the description of what people called Bigfoot, I can't bring myself to call them by this name. These hairy humans were clearly intelligent and to call them Bigfoot, the great North American ape felt like an insult to this intelligence. His eyes settled on my knife and he gestured toward it. I handed it to him and he turned it over in his massive hands looking at it closely. He stopped looking and handed the knife back to me but I pushed it back toward him. I wanted him to have it and considering the spear, the other one and I figured it would be useful to him. Out in the forest, the one with the spear returned started speaking in quick deep sounding utterances to my caretaker. They locked eyes with me and pointed up river. I looked in that direction and pointed that way as well, and they grunted at me when I turned back to them. They were already striding back to the forest, and they were gone. I was sitting in the fragrant circle for a while, waiting to see if they would return. Then I heard voices coming from the river. Before I could gather the strength to stand, people in an inflatable raft came into view. I yelled for help. I yelled that I was hurt, pointing to my head and ankle. They quickly paddled to the shore. They loaded me into their raft, and I left my gear behind during the extraction trip. Our rescuers asked me about what happened. I told them everything except for the hairy humans. It was crazy enough that they saw me sitting among territory piles. I didn't want them to think I'd completely lost my mind. I know my experience was unique compared to what other people have experienced with these hairy humans. Maybe the group I encountered was a more advanced group of so-called Bigfoots, but to me, they will always be hairy humans. They rescued me from the river, they fed me, they kept me warm, and they even protected me in their strange way. If that doesn't make them more human than beast, I don't know what will. I'm a long haul driver and was traveling east on Interstate 8, just east of Fortune, Arizona. This occurred in mid-June 2017. Having checked the clock, it was 3.45 a.m. 
when I alerted my partner to the presence of three or four individuals standing in the middle of the traffic lane. A3 are sounding the truck horn, I began to slow our rig. Given the fact that the area is well known for human smuggling and is dangerous to travel, I wondered if perhaps we should keep going. But when it became apparent that at least three of the individuals were wearing some kind of uniform, I decided to stop along the right shoulder. Nevertheless, my second driver emerged from the sleeper with the shotgun that we carry. <clears throat> Both of us agreed that neither of us was going to step from the cab, and we kept the engine idling. Three individuals walked slowly toward me, toward the driver's side of the cab. At about 15 feet, I could tell that all three of them were suited, if you will, in some sort of gear. I wondered if the Marines from the nearby Marine Corps air station had crashed and were going to ask us for help. As I lowered the driver's window, shortest of the three bundled in heavy white gear, with what looked like white armor around the chest and a partial faceplate that emerged from below the chin, said to me, in perfect English, not to worry, we have a minor situation. He had motioned with his left arm toward the distance off the highway. It's strange because neither my partner nor I saw anything as we approached the group, but sure enough, something was putting out intense red flames, maybe 50 feet off the right shoulder from where we were parked. Before I could say anything, a triangle-shaped wedge of the landscape to our right, to flames at the base of the triangle, rose up and sliced through the truck cab. For lack of a better description, I felt like I was looking at some kind of image as it came through the cab. I mean, the individual spoke to me appeared first on the left side near me and, and then appeared on the right side, the raised side, then on both sides, which appeared raised. My throat was so dry and my stomach was in knots, honestly, I felt like I was going to throw up. I figured we had it, three individuals, two in white, wearing helmets, and one who appeared burned or blackened and without a helmet, appeared in the image to our right as they made their way around chunks of rock, walking towards our cab. There was a lot of communication like radio between them, or between somebody. The one who spoken to me after I had lowered the window now sounded metallic. So I turned once again towards the voice uh, to my left again, toward the open window, and he or it wasn't there. I turned toward my partner in the right front seat, who was still cradling the shotgun, but nothing. I mean, it was blacked. It was perfectly silent. There were no flames off to the right in the distance. Our clock showed 5.15 a.m. Only the entire encounter felt like it had lasted 15 minutes or so. I don't know what to claim. I stopped to assist several entities that appeared to be projected from somewhere, and I still feel nauseous. I'm forwarding a summary of an experience that I and a friend in August 2010. My friend and associate Kyra and I traveled from Columbus, Ohio to Ravenswood, West Virginia, on business. While we were there, I wanted to make a side trip to Gallipoli, Ohio in order to visit relatives I had not seen for quite a while. After our meeting and presentation, we drove on to Ohio Route 7 and traveled south along the Ohio River towards Gallipolis. We had a nice though brief visit with my relatives. Around 6 p.m., we left their home and drove a few miles north on Route 7 to check into a hotel near the local airport. Around 7.30 p.m., we decided to get dinner and found a quiet restaurant so we could eat and work. After we finished, Kyra needed to go to the store and pick up a few items that she forgot to pack. We headed to a Walmart. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. It was nearby the restaurant. After we finished shopping, we were walking to the car when I noticed a woman running through the parking lot. When she reached her car, she looked back in the direction of the store, then hurriedly got into the car. I quickly looked in the same direction and saw what looked like a large bird flying above the roof of the store. It was difficult to see, but when it swooped downward, the parking lot lights would shine off of it. It looked like it was either jewelry or had shiny leather-like skin. Whatever it was, it had a wide wingspan. I would guess it reached eight, ten foot across. It circled above the store for about a minute, then just disappeared. We were both somewhat shocked at what we witnessed, but figured that it was just a huge bird. Since it was dark, I figured we had misjudged what it really was. We drove back to the hotel and decided to call it a night so we could get an early start on the drive home in the morning. I got ready for bed, but thought I'd watch some television first. By this time, it was around 10 p.m. or so. I must have dozed off fairly quickly because the next thing I remember is frantic knocking on my door. I stumbled out of bed and checked who it was. It was Kyra, and she was obviously upset. She rushed into my room and said, it's here. What are you talking about? A little bit perturbed that she woke me up. She said that she was laying on the bed reading when she heard something in the hallway. She got out of bed, walked to the door, and listened to what she thought was scratching sounds. After a few minutes, the sound stopped, so she went back to bed. Not long after she lay down, she heard more scratching sounds, but from outside her window. Again, she got up and peeked through the curtains. This time, something looked back at her. Our rooms were on the second floor in the back section of the hotel and both looked out onto a small parking lot and had a large field beyond that. She could see what she described as a bald, ugly man with wings who was looking directly at her with large, bulging eyes that lit up bright red. It was there for only a few seconds. It then spread its wings while running at the same time towards the end of the parking lot and lifted off the ground like a bird. You're kidding, right? I muttered to her. Hey, I swear to God. That thing is out there and knows we saw it. I knew the only way I was going to get some sleep was to allow Kyrus to stay in my room. The next morning, we woke early, checked out, and drove back to Columbus. Kira didn't mention the incident from the previous night during the ride. In fact, she still never said anything else about it. We continued to be good friends and have a very good working relationship, but I got curious. I had never heard about the Mothman or any of the tales associated with it. I grew up in Texas and had only lived in Ohio for a few years. I moved into my mom's house after she had passed away. Her relatives lived throughout Ohio, but I had never been told any of the stories. This is the reason I am right, writing to you. We were near Point Pleasant. We V when we had this encounter. Do you think that it is possible that this was a Mothman? I read some of your posts recently, and I'm starting to believe that Kira actually saw something supernatural. 
In light of the prophecies of danger that this thing is supposed to warn people about, Kira has had some bad luck and tragedy. Since that day, your husband suddenly left her. She had a fire in her house and she severely injured her leg in a fall. Could this be connected? I personally don't believe in predictions, either good or bad. But I would admit that these have been strange times since we witnessed whatever. So I was hiking in North Central Pay Forest Country with my girlfriend. Weekend hike, like 30 miles in the middle of an absolutely black moonless night. I couldn't sleep. She was lightly sleeping next to me. I was lying there listening to the sounds of the woods with my eyes open or closed. It was the same either way. Same either Then I saw a light moving in the distance through the Cuban mesh tent fabric. It was a small dim light that looked like a flashlight being carried. I thought it might be a park ranger. I see those guys from time to time. I thought it might be a night hiker. I do that sometimes. I had no idea what it was, but I was absolutely certain it was headed towards us. The light followed a roughly wave-shaped path through the trees, meandering slowly in our direction. I called out to it and woke up my girlfriend. I shouted, hey, and stuff like that. I verified whether we're both awake and both seeing the same thing. It moved silently. There is no question that whatever it is, it knows we are there and absolutely is coming over to inspect us. I was freaking out a little. Shouting, go away. She yelled at it, and I was too chicken shit to unzip the tent and confront it. I'm not kidding you. I was terrified. The light approached the tent, did a circle around us, and left the way I came, floating up and down, snaking its way back into the forest without a sound. We were completely shaken by the experience, but it was over and we had zero answers. After the hike, we asked the rangers at the station if anyone had reported seeing floating lights, but they just looked at us like we were high. Sober as a judge the whole trip. For two years, I sat with that experience in my brain. Until it happened again, same girlfriend, same tent, same time of night, different forest, still North Central PA. Same kind of weekend loop hike. We saw it again through the thin fabric of our tents. The light was blurry, but unmistakable. And again, it floated towards us, up and down. Then it made contact. It landed on the tent. It was a firefly. It had always been a firefly. Sometimes fireflies leave their butts on for extended periods of time when they're lost and searching for others. A tent had reflectors on the zippers and lines. The bugs saw their own reflection and came to investigate. For two years, I thought I had seen the supernatural. One night in the summer, when I was about 10 or 11, I was awake in the middle of the night. I could hear the horses running around the pasture as if something had happened. I decided to get up and go check on things. At that time, my family had a massive old barn and we lived in the middle of nowhere. I walked through the door of the barn and found a very large man. She watched the snow climbing into the hayloft. I remember being startled but not scared. He turned around, looked at me, and slowly lowered himself back. He took a few steps before he knelt down and put out his hand like one would do with a stray animal. As I looked at him, I felt like he looked sad and tired and not at all like he would do me any harm. I decided to take his hand and walk him toward our kids and hang out space, which was just a space in the barn, where we had some old couches, a few toys, and a radio. As soon as he saw the radio, he became more animated, ran towards it, and started messing around with it. That went on for a bit, and I kept asking him what he needed the radio for. He never said a word, not one word, 
He wouldn't give me a name, so I started calling him Radio. After some time, he set the radio down and sat down on the couch. I brought over my favorite horse book and started thumbing through the pages, showing him all my favorite horse breeds. Eventually, he gently took the book from me and closed it as if to say I'm done. I got up to put the book away, and he lay down on the couch. I remember him being so large that his head was on the armrest while his legs hung over the other armrest at the knee. He was a giant, pure white, and I don't recall any hair. His eyes were jet black, but they weren't huge or angular. If anything, they slanted downward and were beady. After he fell asleep, I decided to go back in the house and go to bed, but I put a blanket over him before I went in. I woke up in the morning, and the whole experience came flooding back to me. My feet were dirty as if I had been outside during the night. I grabbed some snacks and ran out to the barn. I ran to a hangout space and found everything as I would have expected it. The blanket was on the floor, the book was sitting on the table, and the radio was out of place. But he was gone. It's important to know that I had a habit of sleepwalking at this time in my life, so it's possible that this was all just a dream. At first, I thought he was just a very strange person, and I hoped he found safety. The memory never left me, and by the time I was a teen, I decided that I'd dream the whole thing and let it go. Then the film Prometheus came out, and I agreed to go see it with friends. When the tall white alien came on the screen, I nearly jumped out of my seat. It wasn't an exact likeness, but it was like seeing a ghost. At the time, I knew absolutely nothing about aliens, and the only one I'd ever heard of was the classic Little Green Men. Nonetheless, I forced myself to let it go and move on. That memory could not be real, so I must have dreamed it. As time passed, I started wondering how I could have imagined uh, being that it really happened. Could radio be real? Has anyone, anyone else had an experience like this? I was born in Puerto Rico, but moved to the United States with my mom after my parents divorced. So I would visit in the summertime to see my dad. My dad always took me camping and we would always have these really deep talks. This one time I had told my dad that I felt my late grandfather was the moon. He passed early that year and I was just a kid, so that's how I found comfort in his passing. We continued our talk, then heard this strange noise, almost like a person casting a fishing rod. But only problem was, we were on a mini island that can only be reached by boat, and on the other side of this island was super steep, like uber steep. I am talking about almost vertical, no way for someone to be down there, and the only way on the island was through our campsite. My dad said no one was there when he checked before, so he was starting to get worried, and me being 15 decided to be a tough guy and went to take a piss. I kept hearing the noise, and it kept getting louder. As I got to the edge of the steep-ass hill, I saw him, or at least I thought I did. Yeah, I saw my grandfather at the bottom of this hill knee deep in water fishing. Naturally, I freaked out and ran towards him, screaming, Grandpa, to me, please stay right there. Couldn't believe I was seeing my grandpa. Stumbling down this hill was so hard, but when I got to the bottom, he was gone. The only thing, there was a fishing rod just under the surface of the water. I was so confused, and my screaming alarmed my dad. But I was stuck at the bottom, and I couldn't get back up the hill, so my dad went for his boat to go around and get me. I was so upset waiting that way, so confused asking myself what was going on when I felt a hand on my shoulder. But by the time I looked up, I herded my dad's boat and realized nothing was there. 
to this day, I can't explain it. I'm not superstitious or religious in any way, so I don't believe in ghosts. But there was something comforting about the whole ordeal. My dad has convinced my grandfather needed to tell something, but I don't know. I used to be active duty Navy on a ship that would go to sea for six months at a time. I met a guy in another department who looked exactly like Gregory Hines. I mean, seriously, just like him. One day he tells me that he goes to orgy parties that have hetero. Bride and gay members, he invites me and says I can just participate in the hetero part, which I solidly am. He says the parties are exclusive, and he's one of the people who can vet me. He invites me to his room and says I need to be comfortable naked and not be awkward around others who are. The test is for me to undress in front of him. I'm not going to do that with just two of us, but he agrees to let me just pull it out enough to be visible. This is super uncomfortable for me, but I'm imagining how interesting the party could be, so I show it. The next step, of course, is for me to play with it a little. I honestly don't remember what his legitimate justification for this next request was, but I believe he asked if he could massage it. I'm obviously drawing the line there. Apparently that last test was the deal breaker because I wasn't allowed to go to parties. I obviously saw him after that in the passageways and chow hall, etc for a year or two more, but we just nodded or whatever and really never engaged verbally. I was just hanging out with my friends in the alley by the Panaderia, a Mexican bakery. We used the alley and the parking lot to skateboard and just hang around and talk. There were five of us, and we saw this thing standing on top of the flea market across the parking lot. It looked like a large man, but he had wings that were wider than a car. It was watching us, and it had very bright red eyes that looked like the taillights of a car. It stood there making these chirping noises that we could clearly hear, even from across the parking lot. It stood there for about a minute watching us. It made us all feel like we were in danger and that it was after us. It then shot straight into the air and flew over us. The entire time it kept watching us as it flew over. My friend wanted to run, but we told him to stay still or it might chase us and it would lead it to where we lived. I silently prayed to lab Virgin to Guadalupe for protection and this thing kept flying away from us and headed off in the direction of the arch. It made us all very scared and when we talked about it the next day, we felt that one of my friend's ex-girlfriends might have sent it after us. She practices brujeria and it just seems like something she would do. If it was meant to scare us, then it did what it was supposed to do as all of us were scared out of our wits. This was last year in Bordeaux, France, and I lived in a building that was going to be destroyed. So there were only like three apartments out of 60 with people in it, and they were far from me in another branch of the building. I was sleeping in my room. It was during summer. Then I remember being woke up by something tapping on my window. When I looked at it, I saw something strange. I'm not a native English speaker, so excuse me if it's difficult to explain. There was a shape, human-sized, I guess, moving on the balcony. It was like in the movie Predator when the creature was in stealth mode or like in summer. When it on the road, you see heat coming out of the road and your vision is a little bit blurry because of that. At first, being half-sleeping, I thought, why the F did I put the radiator on? Every time I tried to close my eyes to go back to sleep, there was two distinct tapping sound on one of the windows, three different ones. 
One I could see through, and two I can't cause the shutters. It was like something was messing with me. And it was every time I closed my eyes, easy to spot, because I was sleeping facing the window and not far from it. So I told you there was no one in this part of the building. I lived on the third floor with no trees or thing in front that can cause such a sound. And the two tapping were every time at the same interval. I started to be really scared when I noticed that the shape was moving in order to tap on different windows. It was so disturbing that I couldn't move an inch. It was like this for quite a time. <laughs> Maybe hours, can't tell. was too afraid to even take my phone. When the sun was rising, I probably fell asleep out of exhaustion. I will never forget this feeling of dread and pure fear when I saw this shape. My mom and brother and I were driving over in Highway Oak Pass one night a few years back and this big black hairless creature jumped over the side of the overpass, ran on all fours in front of our car and a few others, jumped over the dividing median but grabbed it with its front feet, ran in front of the other cars on the other side of the highway, then jumped down the other side of the overpass. This thing had really long skinny front legs and very short back legs was skinny and when our headlights shone on it, turned its head to look at the traffic coming towards it, its face was creepily long, like a horse almost or a big deer. It was just weird and didn't look like anything my mom or I had ever seen before. This was like 10 years ago and I've been trying to come up with every idea of what it could have been. A mange black bear, some strange mange wolf or black mange coyote or something, but nothing looks like it at all. The head though is what F's with with me. It was much too big and long for the body. My mom and I saw it and slammed on the brakes like other drivers next to us. We were freaking out trying to figure out what we just saw while my brother in the back seat trying to figure out what happened because he didn't see it but saw everyone hitting the brakes and slamming their horns. This happened in Silverdale, Washington. There's a hike to the top of Pike's Peaks that has a camp halfway up popular with tourists. It's a pretty tough 13 miles to the peak. I do a shorter hike that breaks off and shares the same trail that loops around. I often love doing the loop twice. On my first loop, about three miles from the trailhead, so I come across a British couple who were very nice and looked like they were having a great time. They told me a little about themselves and they asked me how much further was to the camp at the halfway point. And I told them it was about another three miles further up. They told me they were staying at the camp and I found it a bit odd that they weren't carrying in backpacks or supplies except for water. They thanked me and also told me, oh, and do mind that our luggage is coming up behind us. I thought to myself, luggage. On the way down, I saw what they meant. About 1.5 miles from the trailhead here was a young Indian man carrying two huge red luggage up the trail by himself. These were the types of luggages you see at hotels with tiny wheels and both looked extremely heavy. The only way this young man, who I presumed to be their butler of sorts, could move the luggages up the trail was to lift up one at a time with both arms a few feet forward, set it down, and repeat with the other one. He looked pretty tired and he wasn't even nearly a quarter of the way to the camp. He was wearing regular street clothes, no sweater, and wearing flat converse shoes which are awful for hiking. I spoke to him a little bit, and with his thick Indian accent, he also had questions about how long it was to the camp. He made a sad sigh when I said he still had about four and one half miles to go. It was around 5 p.m., 
and the sun was already starting to set, and I let him know that at this pace, I wasn't sure if he'd make up there before dark. All he could say was, well, they're expecting their stuff to be up there, so I have to make it today. I wished him luck and went on my way. On my second loop around the shorter trail, I didn't come across the well-off British couple again. They must have continued on past where the trail splits. I did, however, come across the young man again who, after about two hours, had only made about another mile of progress. He looked absolutely exhausted, and the wheels of the luggages were completely worn down to the base, so he had to continue carrying them up one at a time. It looked like his back was hurting, too. He again asked me how much further it was to the camp. To his dismay, I let him know that he still wasn't even halfway there. I asked him what he was going to do. He had no idea. He came to the conclusion that he'll probably just sleep by the side of the trail and then try to make it up in the morning. He asked me if I had any water that he could buy off of me. I had a spare guitar aid, and he mentioned that he only had a $50 bill, but he was willing to give it to me. Seeing how desperate of a situation he was to offer so much for a drink and how tired he looked, I just gave it to him and told him to keep the money. I have no idea what happened afterwards, but that was one of the most weird things I've ever seen. This guy was totally unprepared for a hike like this. I felt super bad for him. I wonder how his night went, what that British couple decided to do without their supplies making it up that night. I hope they eventually went back down to help him. 